On this episode of Reliterated, they were born, bred, and trained to be killers. Prowling the woods night after night, their sole purpose, their only joy, their one reason for being, was cold-blooded murder. And the master they serve is a single-minded child whose only satisfaction in life was having a pair of gladiators to fight deathmatch after deathmatch for him to claim their quarry's skin as a trophy. But they eventually learn that when you play a dangerous game of fighting to the death on a nightly basis, there comes a time when you lose. We take a bloody romp through the river bottoms of the Ozark Mountains, where the red fern grows on Reliterated, the podcast that's part of a balanced breakfast. To Reliterated, the lowbrow book club of grown-ass adults reading the children's books popular in the 1990s, but with 2020s hindsight. Fair warning, we use language too mature for kids, analysis too immature for literary scholars, and ignorance too profound to be inoffensive to everyone. We also talk about our books in depth, and that includes spoilers. So before you listen, if you're not familiar with the story, prepare to be spoiled. I'm Andy. I'm Harold. And I'm Josh. And welcome back. This is 2023. It's a new chapter of the podcast. Yes, yes. Uh, and it feels real good to be doing this again, guys. Yeah. I finally am, you know, not sick after three months. So <laughs> hey, it's the little victories. Yeah. I have some interesting, not as fun takes on this book. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before we launch into the book, this chapter is going to be entirely made up of uh, requested books uh, from our from our friends. And uh, this first one was requested by Janelle, and we have her with us on the show. Say hello, Janelle. Hi. <laughs> hello. <laughs> so, Janelle, what is the book you have selected for us? So, I selected Where the Red Fern Grows by Wilson Rawls. Um, and I would just like to say that I wanted this book for two reasons. One, I knew it was on y'all's list and you weren't going to do it unless you were nudged. <laughs> and two, I thought I had fond memories of the book, but I have fond memories of the time in which the book was read and not necessarily the book itself. <laughs> As it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I did not remember a lot of this book. Oh, God. Oh, hey, yeah. <laughs> you're not the only one because, yeah, this I remember reading this book for, I believe, Mr. Lang's class in fourth grade. And then I read it. I believe it was the summer. I believe it might have been the sixth, my sixth grade summer. I'm pretty sure it was the summer before I got my do my first dog, Pudgy. And so I was dog crazy. And that would explain why when I read it for the second time, I bawled my eyes out. And that's why I was dreading rereading it. And I didn't cry this time. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I read it for the first time and I didn't cry either. Well, that's because you hate animals. Yeah. Yeah. That I didn't cry, but I definitely I definitely had some tears at the back of my eyes. That's that's about it, though. That's just because I absolutely love animals. Mm -hmm. Well, you must be a good person then. <laughs> I didn't say that. I said I love animals. Um, yeah, I had never read this book before. All I really knew about it was it has dogs on the cover and everyone says it has a sad ending. So why the hell would I want to read a book like that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. To build character, Andy. Yeah. yeah. To build character. 
Yeah. Okay. And we'll we'll get into it, but uh, there's there's shit in this book for all of us to hate. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So where the red fern grows, author Wilson Rawls' book was published in 1961. Josh, why don't you tell us what you dug up about the author here? So Woodrow Wilson Rawls. So he went by his middle name. He was born in Scraper, Oklahoma on September 24th, 1913, and he lived on a small farm out in the outskirts, and his family was quite poor. So they the only education they got was the education given to them by their mother, but she was very... She was one of those moms that was like, no, you're going to learn. You're going to learn kind of like in the book. So he was brought up by her. He had some siblings. There's really not a lot on this guy <laughs> with his uh, early early life. And he only wrote two books. He wrote this book and The Summer of the Monkeys. I've never read that. I think it's pretty good, though. But yeah, he had some issues growing up. He got into some scrapes. But, you know, he just became a carpenter. And throughout his whole life, he was like, I want to be a writer, but he never thought he was good enough to write and because of his lack of formal education and things like that. And until he met his wife in 1956, and her name is Sophie, and they, they worked together at the Atomic Energy Commission in Idaho Falls, and they were married in 1958. And she was actually one of the people that was like, hey, you should you should do something with these. These are these are, you know, good. And so basically he was able through through different journeys and things like that. He was able to basically speak to children at a school about his his story. And the teachers would then read the story and it kind of grew from word of mouth. It didn't really win any awards or anything until after it really got out there. But he, he didn't have a traditional way of selling it. It just it caught on through word of mouth, which is, I thought, very interesting. And then in 1972, he was able to sell the rights to Hollywood. And there have been two movies made from this book. And then he, uh, unfortunately, he did pass away in uh, December 16th in 1984 in Cornell, Wisconsin. They had no kids, but um, yeah, we're left with his stories. So he did a lot of public speaking as well. He went to a lot of schools and basically was one of those people like, hey, anybody can be a writer. Look at me. I did it. And, you know, you guys can, too. I wrote a book. I wrote a popular book about dogs. He wrote two popular books, one about two dogs and one books? about monkeys. I've already forgotten what the other one was called. The Summer Some, of the Monkeys. Summer of the Monkeys. Okay. Apparently the some uh, <laughs> some monkeys escape from a carnival or something like that. And so he, he as a boy, tries to go and tries to capture them. So And, and then they die in the end. <laughs> they die in the end. Hmm. Again, I didn't read that one. <laughs> Not yet. No, I didn't either. So, yeah. Where where the red fern grows. Um, so before we um we embarked on reading this book, I had Janelle try to uh, recall um what she thought what she remembered the book was about because she had fond memories of reading the book, but um uh, didn't quite remember <laughs> everything. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let her read her summary that she wrote because there were. Some some accuracies, some inaccuracies, and I think we'll we'll get a good laugh out of them. Yeah. Uh, so. Okay. And we're and we're dubbing this the Barb's your aunt before Harold tells us how it really went down with Bob's your uncle. Yes. Okay. So, 
Where the Red Fern Grows is a story about a boy named Billy, a name I only know because of the back of the book, and his two coon hounds. Set sometime in the early-ish 20th century in some small country town, Billy gets his two hounds for either Christmas or his birthday. I can't remember which. He names them pretty basic backwoods names, Old Dan and Little Ann, and with the help of his father, raises them to hunt coon as young country boys are wont to do in the early 20th century. Eventually, Billy and his hounds enter into the big coon hunt where he's hunting against some pretty really good competition. At some point, there is a not coon that starts to attack Billy. Wolves, foxes, bear. Anyway, in come his beloved, loyal, fearsome, fighting, furry friends to rescue him. One of the dog gets tore up something terrible, Anne probably, and doesn't last much past them getting rescued after daybreak, which only happens because old Dan runs off like the well-trained hound he is to get help. <laughs> after little Anne dies, Billy buries her on this hill where wild red ferns grow and old Dan goes into a deep doggy depression. He's not the same dog without his four-legged little sister. Billy and old Dan visit little Anne's burial site often, and one night, old Dan runs away from the home and dies on the hill where the red fern grows. <laughs> yeah. And that is Barb's your aunt. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty close. I, I mean, honestly, all I remembered about this book were two things. The raccoon trap that he caught his first raccoon with, yep. and, and the dogs died. And I could not remember for the life of me why the dogs died. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like something happened. It was some kind of fight out in the woods. I knew, like you're saying, bear, wolves, something wolves, like that. Something, yeah. The dogs yeah, died, I, and then the red fern grew where they they were buried. <laughs> That's all I remembered. So it took me all of um, I think I marked it. No, I didn't mark it. Oh, I did. Here it is. It took me all of reading in chapter one to where he talked about getting his Casey baking powder can in his memory um, to realize that I was way the fuck wrong on how he got the dogs. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time that we set the record straight. We'll set with, the record with the straight real, with the real summary. I want to be clear about something really quick. The Bob's Your Uncle summary will not include minute details that we each impersonally uh, realized from the book as we were reading it. We'll cover those <laughs> later after the Bob's Your Uncle summary. This has been Harold telling Josh not to tell him what he forgot in the summary. <laughs> I like that part. <laughs> okay. So, Billy is a determined young boy that really wants some dogs. And specifically, he wants some hound dogs to hunt raccoons. He starts working really hard and puts together nickels and pennies at a time uh, for two years, saves up and gets his grandpa to go in or to order the dogs for him without his parents knowing. Uh, this kid goes through yet again. He's kind of like a Sam Gribbley, only a little bit more believable. Uh, he spends a night in a cave with the dogs. He's coming home and uh, right away he notices that the, the boy dog is howling and courageous and the girl dog is is kind of smarter and kind of like, hey, we should be careful here. And so he finds a tree and it says, 
carved into it is Dan and Ann. And so he names the dogs Old Dan and Little Ann because they're good country names. Well, he goes out and starts training the dogs. And in order to train the dogs, he needs to have a real coon pelt. So he has his, he talks to his grandpa. His grandpa teaches him this method, which is you take and cut a hole in a, a log and the coon sticks his hand in and can't stop gripping. He gets his first coon pelt. He trains the dogs. Lo and behold, they are the best coon dogs that have ever existed, ever. And this is because God loves Billy and God keeps giving things to Billy whenever he wants it. Or God hates coons. I don't know. And God hates coons as well, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. So he starts coon hunting every night and the dogs just get so damn good at it. And the first ones that he goes after, he has to cut down a whole sycamore tree to get the coon. But he promised the dogs. And this is the bond that they have all throughout. Eventually, he gets challenged to go after this ghost coon by a kid nearby. And during the chase, his dogs tree the coon. uh, But the boy Reuben and Ryan? Uh, Rainy. Rainy, yes. Yes, Rainy. Reuben and Rainy, they say he's supposed to kill it. So, or give up money <clears throat> in a bet. Well, he refuses to kill it, and Reuben goes running at uh, his dogs because his dogs are attacking Reuben's dog, and Reuben falls on an axe and dies. Also, a part I did not remember from this book. Um, Billy gets better from there, and they uh, he he overcomes it as people back then always did, <laughs> because they just had to. <laughs> And uh, uh, he ends up uh, getting into a contest with real coon hunters and they treat him as a coon hunter while he's there. And uh, he goes out there and they catch more coons than everybody else. And even winning that, he won $300. His parents are wanting to move into town. That's some good money. So he goes back home. He gets back to hunting again. He just can't stop. And one fateful night, the dogs get a scent on and chase a cougar up a tree. And eventually, old Dan, who's super brave, won't stop. And him and the cougar get into it. And Anne tries to help. But Dan ends up getting killed, not before killing the cougar. And, uh, but he gets killed because he gets gutted and he survives till morning and then dies. And then Anne dies shortly after because she loses the will to live. Billy buries the, uh, buries the dogs up on a hill and he just can't get over it. He doesn't want to leave. He can't stand the idea of moving and he doesn't want to be away from his dogs. And then one day he goes up there to Red Fern has grown there. And there's an old Native American legend, uh, according to the book, that only angels plant red ferns. And so an angel must have planted and a red fern for his dogs and he feels better to go and that's bob's your uncle that's that's red fern gross <laughs> that's it we'll get so, into the nitty-gritty there's a lot of nitty-gritty things that i want to talk about and i was like oh my oh, god yeah. i gotta try it yeah yeah there's a lot in this book um but yeah it's uh <laughs> it's weird that it's an indian uh, or native american legend about angels well because his mom <laughs> is uh native american i did not uh, I didn't catch that at all. In the beginning of the book, the reason they have the property is because... Yeah. Oh, yeah, because she got it um, through, like, the Homestead Act or something like that. Yeah, she's Native American. Yeah, I remember that now. I didn't remember it until it was said, but I remember it now. That's a detail that completely went over my head. Yeah. All I knew about his mom was that she worried so much. Uh, the, the land we lived on was Cherokee land allotted to my mother because of the Cherokee blood that flowed through her veins. Oh, okay. And that's based on his real mom, because that's literally how they had that farm, was because of Yeah, the allotment. book was, like, semi-autobiographical mm-hmm. to Wilson Rawls. Well, he had a really? very so- dry life filled with a lot of filler. <laughs> 
so did Wilson <laughs> did Wilson Rawls then um one time in a city watch a bunch of dogs attack another dog and watch the dog fight go on until he realized it was a hound and then he saved the dog and stopped the fight? That, I don't think so. The opening to this book bothered me. <laughs> like the Yeah. The amount of autonomy he gave to that dog <laughs> and everything that was happening in that situation. I'm like, that dog needs you, dude. You can't just send it out at night. <laughs> you know? Not only that, like, it starts off in, like, present day, uh, present day to when he wrote it, like, 1960s. Right. I think it was, like, Idaho or something. Uh, but it's some city. Uh, I think the real Wilson Rawls moved out to, like, Idaho or whatever. But he's, like, older, living in a city, com- like, coming home from the office, sees a pack of dogs attacking an old hound, and uh, he takes the hound back to nurse its wounds and all that, and is reminded of uh, the two old coon hounds that he used to own as a boy. And that launches into the story, and we never come back. Yeah, but 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 still, like I'm saying, like he says to the dog, "You could have stayed as long as you want." Apparently not, dude. <laughs> the dog can't open the door. Of course, he wants to go outside. He's a fucking dog. He probably has. You to take stay a shit. as long as I want you to. <laughs> yeah. No. See you later, dog. He was thanking me. Well, he thought you were letting him live there, dude. <laughs> Please don't send me away. See you later, dog. Fuck again. <laughs> yeah, that that part was a little bit odd. <laughs> That's animal abuse, dude. <laughs> leaving the door open and saying goodbye. Have, just, have a good life. Yeah, you just wrote that you did animal abuse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's past the Statue of Limitation, so oh, I'm he's sure. probably safe. <laughs> Put his coffin in a prison. Boom, you're done, mister. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to all the rest of you, too. <laughs> yeah, I didn't remember how that that it started with that. I didn't... You guys just read this with me, right? We all just read this? I mean, yeah. I read it when I was younger. Yeah. But... Oh, okay, okay. Memory, yeah. I thought you were saying right now you didn't remember. I'm like, okay, I get the maybe the, the no, Native American No, I read thing. it. No, I meant when I was... like, I didn't remember it from a kid. The only things I remember were, yes, the we- I don't know why that raccoon getting hit over the head with the club was so traumatic to me as a child because that is the part i remember like i was like hands down that happens this ro- this raccoon gets fucked up by a club that i don't know why that wasn't what i remembered <laughs> what i remembered is that the trap that he used was considered inhumane by his dad and he said he could only use it the one time from there on out he needed to use the club. yeah the dogs the, yeah. which will rip the oh, fucking shit out of a right. raccoon <laughs> that's so much better <laughs> than one the, smack uh, over the head the rationale was okay so like so Billy's grandpa trains him how to u- how to rig up these traps with nails in a hole in a stump and a piece of tin down at the bottom so that the raccoon will grab the tin and never let go. He he is like raccoons are supposedly incapable of um letting go of something with, that they want or whatever. Um and when he finally gets a raccoon in one of these traps, um his dad makes him uh, undo all of these nail traps that he's made because he says that the that way it'll be 50 50 um like he wants to give the raccoon a fighting chance so you know maybe he'll fuck up your dogs or you know maybe Mm, not maybe not (laughs) but we got to give him that chance we want to make it a fair fight i mean that's yeah that's legitimate (laughs) yeah that makes sense to me and i was like also, the fact that the grandpa, that was his normal way of just killing animals. I was like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Your grandpa's got a history there. I want his story next. 
right? These coons were, and the coon hounds. Okay, so saying that, it, it made me uncomfortable how much he uses the word coon. <laughs> coon. Well, <laughs> yeah, but that is the literal, like. Yeah, I mean, it's their literal raccoons, but. Yeah. You know, it's, it's gained connotation. I understand, <laughs> but there's also still uh, blue tick coon hounds and well, red bone coon, coon hounds. hounds. Yeah. So this is, this <laughs> is one of those scenarios where context matters. You know what I mean? It really is. Context matters. So what edition of the books do you guys have? Because Andy and I have different editions, and he definitely does not have coon hounds on his cover. Mine does. Mine has a black one and a red one. So I was like, okay, they're not both red red bone on the well, cover. What's up with that? But whatever, it's fine. Mine definitely <laughs> look like retrievers. Yeah, he has retrievers <laughs> on his cover. And I think it's like the more the more popular cover. It's like the one that I'm familiar with seeing from back in the day. The boy with the lantern and two dogs. The one of those not even smaller than the other. How do they how do they get away with they didn't they didn't read the book. This this cover artist <laughs> did not read the book. I think he just covered uh copied that one. Except no, those are hounds. Those are yeah, definitely I was hounds. Say, mine yours. are definitely hounds. Because I have a red <laughs> hound and then I have a black, red, and white hound. Yeah, but it's like the same scenario. Boy, dark woods, moon behind him, sil- silhouette of trees, just and different two dogs. dogs. He just picked dogs at random. Yeah. It's like, well, I know how to draw retrievers. I'll just draw retrievers. I mean, <laughs> let's not forget the St. Bernard in uh, Call of the Wild. Oh, yeah. On the cover <laughs> of Call of the Wild. What is it with um, novel cover artists and the wrong breeds of dogs? <laughs> we need something with a dog on it. Sure. Like they, they don't want to do their research? <laughs> Just any dog, just throw on any dog. It's it's fine. Nobody will know the difference. <laughs> Nobody. Like I am not a big fan of dogs, and I still know the difference. It's not like dogs have evolved next to humans for fifteen thousand years to the point where we could actually recognize their faces if we've known them long enough. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to the point where we cause them to have health issues just because we want them to have flat faces. <laughs> <laughs> A boy and his pug, it's a picture of a fucking kid with a chihuahua or something. like <laughs> With a Great Dane. It's got to be, oh, be a small dog. Make it a, we need a picture Mama of a Duke boy with a small a dog. Yeah. <laughs> also, the part about uh, clubbing the, the coon over the head reminds me of, uh, of a certain um, groundhog in, in your backyard. Where... Oh, <laughs> my God. And I think that story needs to be told. Oh, I don't know. Anyways, some time ago, long time ago, we'll say, I had a groundhog in my backyard and understand that I'm not a hunter. I'm not, I, I don't really have any interest in killing animals. They don't have any, you know, they're not doing nothing to me. And, but this groundhog's in my, my backyard and I had the great idea that I was going to catch it. And I decided I'd catch it in a way I had seen on a show called Naked and Afraid, which was with a snare. So in my genius thoughts, I was like, I'll just put the snare together, put it out there where I think I see the groundhog's hole. I'll catch him. And I did. I caught him. And as soon as I got out there, I was like, I have no idea what I should do with this. And so you waited first, for me to get there. Yeah, 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 did. yeah. And then I got Josh. I called Josh. I was coming into town. So no, no, you were you were there already. I went. And got you, you were there already. Yeah. I was I was there okay. too. But I was in. I stayed inside. Oh, you was stayed I still, inside. I still in Wisconsin. I was I was with the boys. I was inside with the boys. As I was outside. As you become, and Josh went outside. I went outside to become a man. So <laughs> to become a man. Yeah. So. <laughs> I go out there and I had this like spear that I had made or whatever out of 
an old knife. It was I worked with knives and stuff, and I was blacksmithing for a while. And I was having fun, but I was like, okay, well, I'll use this, and I'll I'll just I'll kill it quick. And so I went over and I tried to kill it, and I didn't kill him. And I tried to kill him again, and it didn't kill him. And then I, in a hurry, ran and grabbed a machete that I had that I had been using to cut the vines out from my fence area. And I'd been banging this machete into the ground for three days. And I uh, came over and I was like, I'll just chop his head off. And I went to try and do that, and it was blunt. So I ended up having to beat him to death, and it was awful. It was the most (laughs) awful experience in my entire life. <laughs> and, I, and I'm glad I could unrepress the memory. I hated it every second of it, and I felt terrible. <laughs> I regretted that snare trap immediately. <laughs> yeah. See, this is why we just used 22s to get rid of them. Oh, dude, I mean, that's the thing. I would have used my one of my guns to shoot it, but I couldn't because we're in the city. Even my 22, I couldn't, you know? What are we going to do, stand out in the backyard and shoot a varmint? You know, I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's what <laughs> yeah, we that's did. What- a lot of homes on neighborhood. You get the cops called on them. Someone's some twenty twos aren't that loud. They are. You- I might have got away with it. You know, people ask me what happened. Hey, I had a fucking groundhog situation. Right. Okay, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't gun dependent. It's more neighbor dependent. Right. I'm pretty sure you had some neighbors that would have <laughs> that would have done it, no matter what gun you had or what the situation was. Right. Yep. Yep. I tried to get him out of the yard. I was shooting him with a slingshot for like three weeks, but he would not leave. <laughs> <laughs> You had two dogs? Yeah, but that's <laughs> that's who found it was the dogs. That's who found it was the dogs. Well, that's, yeah, because all of a sudden I let the dogs out and they ran straight down and they were like, rah, 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 rah. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I got to save this poor creature. <laughs> so then I wrestled the dogs into the house. Oh, yeah. Uh, zero out of 10 would not recommend. <laughs> So I kind of have a kinship with Billy in a way. What's that? Well, I mean, I trapped a varmint and my dogs spotted it (laughs) and then I had to kill it. The only (laughs) difference is that it didn't feed your lust for wanting more of them. It didn't. No, it (laughs) absolutely. You you couldn't sell that groundhog for money. But also, (laughs) like like Janelle's saying, I was not like, oh, my God, I got to start hunting groundhogs. I was like, oh, my God. I don't want to ever do this again. This is an awful experience, (laughs) and I never want to do this again. But now Billy, he had a bloodlust for for skinning coons, and Mm -hmm. he wanted dogs to help him get them coons. He had to catch them all. Do you think that if he didn't have coons to hunt, like if he had lived in the city, he might have become a serial killer? I think he would have been more of a Sam Gribbley type that just needed to get out in the woods. Because he really enjoyed enjoyed skinning and killing things. Well, Rick, (laughs) that time, though, I mean, that would have been that would have been a reasonable occupation to be able to get into eventually. So, I mean... I think I think it's just a little different. Maybe it's the lack of those occupations that is increasing the number of people that are <laughs> bloodlust and <laughs> I, don't know. I can't go out and just hunt. <laughs> so are we saying we could rehabilitate serial killers by allowing them in the wild? To I, hunt did animal? Say, I did not say I did not say that. <laughs> No, I think that, I think specifically when you get the serial killer, you're talking about like a like a percentage point of people. So it's like you know they're they're beyond, and there are uh, hundreds of podcasts about them if you want yeah. to hear about them. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> now Billy, though, I mean the way he reacted to Ruben dying too was a little odd because I mean like, and even like that whole time when he's like, get 
out of me. I'm like, don't get it out of him. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's how you end yourself. That's but... the worst thing you could do is get it out of him. Yeah, totally f- didn't remember that part as- <laughs> at all. Nope. Ruben was a dick, but I don't know if he deserved to get impaled by an axe. You know yeah. what? He did. He did. He, did. he really did. Oh, yeah, he th- did. Th- those Pritchard boys, nobody liked him. No. <laughs> they, were, they were welching on the bet. Okay, to to clarify a little bit more, um, so the the Pritchard boys were just the the hillbilliest of hillbillies. Like they came into Billy's grandpa's store. Just uh, they said they were buying some some snuff for their pa or whatever. But they were they when the grandpa let them have it, they just started chewing it and spitting on his floor and all that shit. And then they got then they got into it about whether Billy's dogs could catch the the famous ghost coon that's been. Uh, roaming their uh their property or whatever and so they bet two dollars which is probably about like i don't know fifty dollars these days right <laughs> i don't know i mean but, he uh, took two years earning nickels at a time to buy fifty yeah, dollars worth of actually dogs, uh, so. yeah i wrote down the figures so the dogs actually he saved up fifty dollars to buy two dogs because the ad that he saw said they were twenty five dollars a dog and so he saved fifty dollars over two years which I estimate this uh, this book to be in like the mid the mid nineteen twenties or so. They, they don't give a specific year, but they do mention like bootleggers because like the Pritchard boys or it was suspected the Pritchard family were were like into bootlegging. Yep. So it puts it in that kind of uh, territory. I don't remember when Prohibition was. Twenties. Like the twenties. The twenties. Like the whole twenties, basically. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Anyways, Most of them. But yeah. when I calculated how much $50 is uh, in today's money from 1924, that would be uh, $870. Jesus Christ. That's an expensive fucking dog. That's how much is in- inflated since the mid-1920s. Well, that's for both of them, right? $50? Yeah. That's yeah. how much he saved up, yeah. And, okay. it, and it wound up being that the dogs only cost 20 apiece because the price had dropped Change, yeah. in, the, in the two years since he saw that ad. So he wound up only paying $40 and uh, keeping $10 to buy a whole Some... bunch of stuff for his family. By the way, uh, Janelle and I noticed that like nobody in his family has names. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Billy, there's Ma, there's Pa, there's three sisters. That, there's you know, the littlest, the littlest, the, the biggest, <laughs> the and then biggest. the one that doesn't even have a size adjusted to her. She's just yeah. that one that exists. Yeah, nobody in his family really has names, hmm. and grandpa. So yeah, grandma gets mentioned at one point too. I mean, that makes yeah, sense. grandma's there too. Yep, she's not a huge part of the story. But Billy and the dogs—they're the ones who have names in this family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, anyways, they're the stars. <laughs> right. <laughs> to to get back on the original track I was on, the Pritchard boys had had bet him two dollars uh, that his dogs couldn't tree the coon, which basically would just mean they chased the raccoon up the tree. No obligation to kill them or anything. Just uh, two dollars to to tree the coon. They eventually do that. Uh, the whole time, like like the coon so, so supposedly disappeared, uh, was tricking the dogs for a while, and uh, the Pritchard boys were like, "You man, give up your money now!" <laughs> and yeah, okay, you're not making a good argument for this kid getting impaled on an axe, though. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> but they were going to keep the money. They wanted they wanted him to kill the raccoon but he said he didn't feel like uh killing the raccoon but the bet was just for treeing him. him um so they were going to get their own dog uh to tree him 
No, it was already treated. They were going to get it their was, dog uh, to not, kill not him. Not treat him, but to kill him. Right. But mm. their their dog had broken loose and was attacking old Dan. So. And so um, Reuben took Billy's axe and was going to go kill old Dan uh, because he was fighting with his blue tick, his own blue tick hound. Um, but he tripped on a stick or something. <laughs> I correct that. God tripped him yes, with a God. stick <laughs> God to, yes. to save old Dan. Because <laughs> God cares more about a dog than he does about a person. God does be a hillbilly. Dogs who God are good loves at killing dogs, raccoons. Because all dogs go to heaven. <laughs> Except for Hitler's dog. Except <laughs> Hitler's dog was still a good boy. He was. He still listened to all the commands that he was given. Like, come Ugh. on. <laughs> so I don't I don't know whether he was a good boy or not. I wanted to look this up for reference. You said it was fifty dollars and today's money was eight hundred and seventy. Yeah. Okay. So the average price of a red bone coonhound right now is six hundred dollars a piece. A piece. So he's still got those dogs really cheap. Yeah, especially since they were only twenty bucks a piece. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For the best damn coon hounds that ever existed. For Even sure. though they were apparently runs. <laughs> Even though they were, they were like runs, yeah. But that was the point though. Little. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that was yeah, the point. It's yeah. just nobody expected mm-hmm. him. Nobody saw him coming because they were smaller than the other dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I will say though, Billy gave God too much credit for oh for having the dogs. For sure. For all his hard work. He gave me the heart and determination. He yeah. did it himself. Yeah. Come on. All of it was God. Even at the end, after all of the money that he won in that competition, his mom is like, Oh my God, he's God is blessing us with this money. We can find a we can buy a house now. Thank you, God. And it's like, your son just won that. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end when the dogs were dead. She was like, oh, that's God's way of saying that it's all right for us to move out now because you would have had to stay here. We couldn't have brought the dogs if we were going to move to the city, um, but uh, you would have, to, would have had to stay here until the dogs naturally passed away, I suppose. But she wanted him to like be in schools and stuff. Yeah. She was tired of educating his ass at home. Well, what I loved, the dads, the, uh, yeah, for sure, I get her, her reason. <laughs> um, but the dad made the comment that, God's way. He doesn't like to see families split apart. Tell that yeah, right. to so all of the families that are split apart right now. <laughs> like, fucking, like, I'm talking, like, not just, like, literally families have been bombed apart, bro. So, your guy <laughs> that you're you're giving all this credit to? <laughs> maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this, that, that part, I don't mean to gripe by it. wasn't, it, there were just some major points, any major point in the book, he made sure to give credit, go. I'm like, oh my <laughs> God, dude, come on, people. <laughs> Whatever. Like the very, the very first raccoon that, uh, that old Dan, little Ann tree, um, Billy's solution is to chop down this, this <laughs> giant, what was it? A sic- Sica- sycamore? Sycamore. sycamore. A giant yeah. sycamore, yep. which he named the big tree after like a, a little de- deliberation on what he was going to call it. He gave it this name and that name. That didn't sound right. I'll just call it the big tree. That's a perfect name for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, after yeah. old Dan and little Ann, he's not going to get much more creative. Than that. He's not a good namer. No, he doesn't even have names for us. His family doesn't even have names. He, he never doesn't even, even, his family doesn't even have names. How is he supposed to know what a good name is? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he's chopping down this giant tree and he just can't go on. It's like his, his hands are blistering and splitting open and everything. And, 
Then there in comes a wind that blows only on that tree and fells it so that the dogs can get at that raccoon. Mm-hmm. And that was God. Yeah, and when he asks his dad, his dad's like, oh, I don't know. What to I say. just don't know, Billy. But his dad actually offered some good insight. Like, I did like this about that. Uh, how about this? I will give it this. When he asked his dad if it was God that helped him, because the wind wasn't blowing anywhere else and it only blew on that sycamore, his dad said, well, I don't know, Billy. He said, maybe the tree is just so tall that it reached up to where the wind actually was. And that was the only tree that was getting blown on it fell over. He says, but was it God, Dan? He goes, I can't say, son. That's You have to decide that for yourself. (laughs) I like that. That's decent. That's decent. I can take that. But the reader is obviously supposed to oh, for sure. conclude. Right. right. Because then Billy immediately says, it was. It was God. Yeah, that, I'm sure it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. And then again, I was thinking, uh, no, science shows that it was probably just the wind that your- was reaching that one tree because it was tall. Yeah. <laughs> your dad's conclusion is astute. <laughs> and also mostly chopped through. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And they had saws back then. He didn't have to work that hard. He could have just got a saw or (laughs) used a gun to scare it out like they do later on in the goddamn book. Yeah, but he couldn't use a gun until he was 21 for some reason. Yeah, his his mom was too nervous uh, to yeah, let him have a gun. Yeah, but his dad had one. His grandpa had one. They uh-huh. both visited him at the goddamn uh-huh. tree. But he had to and get the y- coon. Yeah, Stupid. he had to get it for his dogs because he, he promised his dogs. He promised his dogs yep. he would get that, that first raccoon <sighs> they treat. Gotta hold your promise to your dogs. Yep. That's he's, why no. they're such good coon He's dogs. bad at training, too. He's really, he's not good at training. Clearly not. Guys, I have to say, I have to bring this up. He he can't get the dogs to leave the tree. At the end, he <laughs> he, he couldn't, if the fucking dogs would have listened to him, they wouldn't have died. You're right. if he would have been like, like, out, nope, stop, you're done. Nope. Yeah. You know what it was? What about the point about the fact that they sniffed the trail of a mountain lion, even though they're trained to hunt coon. Right. Yeah. 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 Nope. And they All didn't back down to a mountain lion. Old Dan did not back down to a fucking mountain lion. Nope. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I think it was just because he wrote that part at the beginning about how the old Dan was howling at the, at the mountain yeah. cat. And so it was it just to, to kind of, you know... It, it, it did bring it full circle, yeah. On the on Billy's way home from first getting the dogs from town, uh, they st- he stayed in a cave because it was a long walk, and they heard a mountain lion out in the distance, and old Dan was uh, howling at the at the distant mountain yeah. lion, and Billy was worried that that would bring the lion in and kill them all, get them all killed. Yep. So yeah, at the end, that kind of brought a full circle that I think he even um, surmised that it might be the same lion right yeah. from a couple of years previous. I don't know how much time goes by after he gets the dogs. They literally years. don't say it. It just... has to be at least a year or two. I mean, he trains them. They get to the point where he can take them on a real hunt and everything. You know, I, yeah, like, yeah. <clears throat> Because you can't get, even at six months, those dogs would still be a little green trying to do that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. they but had to know, have been a year, a year. You year know what it was? He had, he had trained his Pokemon so much. <laughs> he got them through that big uh, competition and uh, they, they won this great coon, coon catching competition and they leveled up past the point where they would obey uh, Billy and he didn't have enough gym badges. So uh, uh, they... <sighs> 
figured they can go up against the legendary Pokemon, and no, they 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 failed. It was <laughs> yes, not effective. I think you've been playing a little too much Pokemon Go, there, babe. <laughs> is that how so. Pokemon works? Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, this is pretty much how Pokemon works. Yeah. This kid wants. This kid really wants some Pokemon, so you can go out and He's catch. Got to catch them all. A specific kind of Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is like a pro- this is like a prototype <laughs> Pokemon story, right? They kind of, yeah, I would say it is. <laughs> I mean, you would think that they kind of maybe they got the idea from the, just the concept of a boy and his dog, it, just or, the concept of fighting animals, yeah, you know, fighting using them. using animals to fight other animals and them. getting as many animals as you can with those animals, training them. I knew a guy that had, I believe, he had blue ticks. And they hunted bear, uh, black bear. And he had like four or five of them. And he was hunting some bear up in the UP. And the dogs went out after something. And he had this one female dog that was like fearless. Like she would, and he knew, he said he knew it was going to get her killed one day. And she was absolutely fearless. And when he found her tracker, he found all four of her legs and her head and the collar. And that was it. Yikes. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. But they ended up getting the bear. The other four dogs ended up getting the bear, you know, and treeing the bear. And he shot <laughs> treeing it. Treeing the bear. They did. They treed the bear. Yeah. I mean, they chased the black bear until it I climbs guess that up would in a tree. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh-huh. And then the hunter comes up and shoots it out of the tree. But the ironic part is if Billy was allowed to carry a gun, maybe he could have done something about that mountain lion. For sure. <laughs> Yep. That's why America needs more gut now. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> After the third shooting this week, and it's Monday. Oh my God. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I I was there's actually video of this Brandon Say. Uh he stopped the Monterey guy. Well, he grabbed the gun from the Monterey guy. He wrestled it out of his hands. And the video is is wild and it for me, I don't mean to go on to this right now, but for me, it was seeing this this guy's taking the gun away from him and just trying to keep him away from the gun. At multiple points, he had the option that he could have been like this guy's crazy and fucking shot him. You know what I mean? Like this guy's if he gets the gun, he's going to shoot me. So I should probably shoot him, you know, is what you think that he might be thinking. But no, he just keeps the gun away from the guy and the guy ends up giving up and walking away. And I was like, one of those people was in the act of going through massacring people. And the other person wouldn't even bring himself to shoot a person that should have been probably shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, stop him. You know what I mean? And it's certainly the quickest, quickest and easiest, simplest solution. If you're just a regular person, you're not the police and you don't have backup and all that kind of stuff. I mean, but I'm saying like, it was great to watch it happen like that. Like, it was awesome that he did it that way. But just Mm -hmm. to think like one of those people, one of those individual human beings was ready to kill anybody. And the other one wouldn't even, you know what I mean? Like, couldn't even Mm -hmm. bring themselves to do that. I, I, I'm glad he couldn't bring himself do that it's a good thing that people can't do that it's the noble yes humane thing the humane thing to do do, but that's a scary situation i'm just saying with the guns yeah yeah. so it's good on him brandon say is his name t-s-a-y that's the guy who's who got the gun away from the piece of shit who was shooting people and he didn't have a gun he didn't have a gun, dude. Surprising. He yeah, he so got you a don't need a gun to get a gun away from somebody. Okay. I don't recommend cool. I don't recommend going at somebody with a gun and trying to get it away without a gun. <laughs> right. 
that's I guess pushing he had, it. He probably Just had shows the opportunity. That you I haven't seen the video, to. but yeah, in the situation, you flee or you fight. If uh, whatever the situ- whatever's the mo- the you know advantageous, not the easiest thing, but yeah, the, whatever's the most advantageous. Yeah, yeah, the most advantage in whatever. Yep. And if that's what he just he had the drop on him and got got the gun out of his hands. That's that's what happened. And it's like fucking great. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Great. <clears throat> but anyways, mountain yeah. lions and raccoons. <laughs> yeah, mountain lions and raccoons. <laughs> and Mewtwo's. The amount of similes in this book. <laughs> the amount of terrible similes, actually. Like really weird off the wall similes. And I asked Andy this. Um, do either of you, Harold and Josh, know what a mud dauber is? No. Nope. Okay. I only know because I lived in Texas and they are in the South. It is a type of wasp because he talks about them in the book when his mom started kissing him all over and saying that um, he was feeling as wet as a dirt dauber's nest. So he uses dirt dauber, dirt dauber, mud dauber. They're the same thing. They're a type of wasp. They're mostly very docile, but their nests are not wet. (laughs) They're very dry. So they're like paper wasps? Kind of. Kind of. Yeah, do you know like those wasps with like the impossibly narrow like thorax? Yeah. Where it's like the head and the, maybe like the upper thorax and it's like that really needle thin. Uh, I think so. Of thorax and then it's and then the, the abdomen, abdomen with the yeah. uh, with the stinger or whatever. Yeah, I know what or you're the, talking about. The yeah. pointy end. Yeah, that's a, that, that's, that's a dauber, isn't it? Yeah, that's basically what a mud dauber or dirt dauber is. But when he said that, like, he suddenly felt as wet as a dirt dauber's nest, I was very confused <laughs> as someone who knows what a dirt dauber is and what their nest looks like. Um, And I would say what page it's on, but Andy and I learned that our pages are drastically different. <laughs> <laughs> different editions. Like, like, my book starts on page 11 and his starts on page 1, but... He still ended up having more pages than I did. Weird, just because yeah. of the font, the way that it, yeah, the font, the <laughs> narrower the, text blocks. I, I guess, guess. Yeah. yeah. So it's the narrower end. Pages. Oh, I guess it's technically the last page of chapter eleven is where it is, where he's talking about the feeling as wet as a dirt dauber. And I looked it up and I showed it to Andy, and I'm like, that thing's not wet. The, those nests are not wet. And so it was from that point that I started like marking his really strange use of similes because there are some really outlandish similes in here. <laughs> so I wanted to look up I wanted to look up the mud dauber really quick. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm on the Wikipedia and they've actually crashed two airplanes. they've been responsible for two airplane crashes yep i could i could see that in 1996 in puerto plato on the dominican republic a plane went down because a pilot or pitot tube was blocked and they believe it's because mud daubers built a nest inside of it because it sat on the tarmac for 25 days before it flew and then on april 10th 2015 uh, golf string was substantially damaged because of some a uh, plugged pl- plugged hole in the fuselage. <laughs> yeah, they they essentially just like their nests would literally basically appear overnight all over our house, and you'd walk outside and suddenly just see this mud dauber nest just chilling there, and you're like, okay, I guess you're here now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they basically just anywhere that they can will just put their little nest and you never really see them come in and out of it but it's there right huh that's i'm glad that i know the random fact of the airplane thing now too though they crashed airplane two okay. airplanes they're two were two zero on these fucking wasps 
You know? <laughs> <laughs> we haven't taken yeah. out any of their major transports. <laughs> <laughs> and then, where was it? Little Anne at the beginning of chapter 14, where she was as happy as a young gray squirrel. <laughs> like, that one also made me chuckle because I'm like, how how happy is the young gray squirrel exactly? <laughs> how, do you, how do you know that young gray squirrels are happy creature creatures? I feel like they're very anxious creatures. <laughs> I feel like it, yeah. I remember singing the song Gray Squirrel at camp. <laughs> gray squirrel, gray squirrel. Swish your bushy tail. <laughs> uh, I feel like any southern storyteller should act- should be more on point with their similes, though. Yeah. You're, right. you're not wrong. Like, as nervous as a June bug in a hen house. That's another one. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> it just made me laugh. Like, some of these are really outlandish, and then some of them are just very interesting to think about. <laughs> this one. And at one point, and I thought I had marked it, but I didn't, and I looked back at how old he was at the beginning of this book. At the beginning of this book, he was 10. Yeah. Okay. At some point in this book, he literally says that he is not interested in girls yet. Hey, there's nothing wrong with and that. And it's been yeah, like, at least a year. I couldn't do that so much as I could kiss a girl. Yeah, the, something like that. And I'm uh-huh. like, like, shouldn't... He gets the dogs when he's 12. Yeah, because it, it took, took two, two summers. Yeah. So 12. Mm-hmm. And by this point... 13, he, 14. So he should be interested in kissing girls. Unless he's not. <laughs> Okay, but this is semi-autobiographical. What if he's more interested in other things? This is semi-autobiographical, though, right? Just semi. Sure, but that doesn't mean anything, because honestly, like, I was intrigued by girls, but he's saying, as soon as I could kiss a girl, and basically what he's saying, I don't know, to me, I take that as... I mean, I didn't even kiss a girl till I was like 17 years old, you know? I mean, well, I, I, not I was saying as soon what? as I could kiss a girl. He, he was talking about something he didn't want to do and he comparing it to oh, so yeah, much okay. as I could kiss a girl. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So yeah. by that point, he should at least be interested in like the possibility of kissing a girl. I don't know. Bruce is nine years old. And yes, he would say that he's not interested in girls, but he clearly is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so so I can see a boy saying that he's not interested when he clearly is cuz Bruce like anytime anything comes up like that or like people kiss on TV, he's like, "Oh my god, it's so gross." And he leaves the okay. room. <laughs> but Bruce is 9. We're estimating that at the time that, that he's Billy 11? had that thought, he's like 14. Oh, if he's 14, that'd be a little weird yeah, because I definitely Because it took him 2 years to get the dogs and he was 10 at the beginning of the book. So okay, 10, yeah. 2 okay, years, 12 yeah. and then a few years into having the dog. But if he's just into coon dogging or <laughs> he's you know, just or into dogging. I mean he's really into he's coon really, dogs. He really it, is. I'm ser- really. seriously uh, watch look at some people that they don't meet somebody until later because they are really into something else and they're not, you know, they're just not I'm not saying See, he's that he's got no time for it. He's, he's just got, got no time. time for it. Yeah. He's got no time. Also he's and got three sisters. Time, he's got three yeah. sisters. He lives in the fucking boonies. <laughs> so it's not like there's a bunch of girls around there that he's liking and stuff like that. And there's more interesting things for him right now, you know. But I'll bet you when he moves to town, all of a sudden he's like, whoa, you know. Hager. 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 And they'll be like, they'll be like, you want some of this, daddy? And they'll, you know, and because it's town. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be all prostitutes. <laughs> he he did have some 
I don't know if I'd go so far as to say they're a misogynist kind of yeah. views on girls, but he he treated he treated them like they were you know they were they're you know these girls are funny because you know they can't help it they're girls yeah they, they wouldn't the, understand specifically they, the girls in town when he went to pick up his dogs well not even that but with his mom and his sisters yeah they like, were after all females yeah they're they're so. just girls they don't think like us they, they wouldn't understand <laughs> these things they run away as soon as it comes to killing the coon yeah mom couldn't help but be nervous she was she's after all a girl mm. yeah and they were also raised to be that way at the time though I was they were say, raised yeah. to be definitely that time period was that yeah that, like mom that was what was expected of them yeah mom stayed at home and took care of the kids and the dad was out on the farm yeah but i did find my favorite sil uh what was it sil- simile? Simile? simile i'm not good at words right now uh <laughs> Grandpa flew out of gear like a Model T Ford. I was like, <laughs> like that one. That's a good one. Even though I did look up to see if uh, Model T Fords like flew out of gear or anything, but I couldn't find. I uh, know <laughs> the Model T. Actually, I just watched a show about that, and uh, the motherfucker was popular for like twenty years, and it was the most reliable car for like twenty years. And then finally, other people really started getting some foot in the build in the the business. But yeah. By the way, Henry Ford was considered a failure at 38. Now he was still a piece of shit for the rest of his life, but he was no <laughs> failure. <laughs> Say what you want about him, you did not fail. He did not fail. <laughs> yeah, his views were sure problematic. Sure, that's not what we're talking about, though. We're talking about the fact most that people's his name is still prolific, and his they have there's all kinds of money there. I guess I don't know, man. What's the right thing anymore? <laughs> I think you just got to sink as far down as you can if you really want to get up there. <laughs> so, Billy's grandpa. I think he's a pretty good dude. He's a great grandpa. He is a he's great, a great yeah. grandpa. Yeah, he was yeah. a really good grandpa. In my head, he sounded like the grandpa from Rugrats. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why, but... Hmm. Yeah, he, he sounded had, like he my grandpa just That kindly old codger type, uh, type of thing going. Yeah, when I read that, when I read that, I can't think of my grandpa Miller. I guess. Yeah, I was thinking of my grandpa as well. Yeah. So. Honestly, he was the best character in the book. Yeah, so. he was. <laughs> right. He's very supportive. Of, very well written. Yeah. Of yeah. what Billy yeah. wanted to do. Yeah. Yep. It didn't treat Billy like he was just some dumb kid either. You know what I mean? Like he was yeah. like, damn. Especially after he came back, he said, "But saving for two years." He's like, "Fuck, there ain't no other kid out there that would have done that." You know what I yeah. mean? Like. And that was something I really liked about, I did like that about Billy, like his tenacity and his determined determination to do what he wanted to do. It was cool. And so, yeah, yeah. I liked the book. It was just, it's very old timey, you know, <laughs> very old timey. It's well written. Yeah. Yeah. Read, read pretty well, even though there was, you know, some filler in there. <laughs> like I f- the first half of the book was filler. <laughs> There's a lot of descriptions of nature in there. <laughs> There's a lot of favorable talk about God and dogs in there. And unfavorable talk about women. And unfavorable talk about... So there's something in there for everybody to So hate. it's kind of just... Yeah. And yet, when you put it all together, pretty good story. Yeah. Basically, Tolkien light is what it was. <laughs> it was not Tolkien light. light. It was much well, better than Tolkien light. Yeah. <laughs> you so, know what I think your issue with Tolkien is? As I mean, besides what we've already covered in previous episodes, but it's just... <laughs> The sheer amount of lore that's behind everything that needs to be told at every given moment, that everything's got a history, and every there's different languages for everything. Yeah, they break into song here and there, and that's kind of tedious. There's nothing wrong with breaking into song. I love Bollywood <laughs> movies, but... Um, 
But yeah, some people are actually into that insanely nerdy amount of backstory and lore that goes into uh, the world of of that. If I'm interested in something, I am though. I, you know, like I just it just doesn't intrigue me the same way. His s- stuff is so much about setting and place and time and like you know, there's yes, all these things are going on, but it just I don't know, like with with. Uh, C.S. Lewis and how much the the scenery was the main character of the the book. It felt you know, and it just <laughs> I and yet the the setting was very much a character, and where the red fern grows too. It was, but uh, the dogs the are chasing and the river the bottoms and, and the trees and, and everything. Right, but to me, for me, I guess, and I relate more to that because I lived out in the country for some for some time as a kid, about the time that he's this age. Okay, or when I was about his age, and I was running on twenty acres of land, and we were doing all kinds of stuff out in the, you know what I mean. So I guess I relate to it more, and I and when I don't know, I don't know what it is, but there's plenty of things I love the lore of. I love Star Wars lore and fucking you know. <laughs> Yeah. Superhero lore. How many times have you watched the new Batman movie, the three hour long one? I've watched I've watched it at least six times. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You when you like lore, you love the lore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think I relate more to that because Batman's really broody and I'm broody. <laughs> you know? You're on broody motherfucker. Yo. I said that to someone at work one day. I was sitting there, it was all dark, and I wasn't thinking about it. I was on the computer, and she walks in, and she's like, I'm going to turn the light on. Is that okay? I'm like, I kind of prefer to brood in the dark, but if you have to. <laughs> and she was saying, and then she goes, you've said that to me before. And walked away after she turned the light on. And I'm like, oh, have I? Oops. <laughs> uh, recycled jokes. Yeah, yeah. We don't do those here. Nope. <laughs> Not at all. Never. So the ending. To what degree did everybody cry? I had tears build up, like well up inside behind my eyes, but I did not cry because I was already aware that the dogs were going to die. And like, so it was pretty awful how they died. And I, I, I felt that the scene was well written because like the mom is cleaning the pine needles and everything off soap. And she said, I only wish I knew what I was doing. You know what I mean? Like, and trying to get his entrails back in, which is a haunting vision, you know? And, uh, sure. And then, and, you know, like following how Anne just couldn't, didn't want to live anymore without him. And it's just, yeah, I, I thought that was really well done. And I did get, like I say, a little bit of well up behind the eyes, but nothing that actually came out. I got angry because I was like, if he would have better trained his dogs to come <laughs> when he said come, they wouldn't be dead. Yeah. So this time I got angry. I was like, motherfucker, he's just bad at it. This, Why? They I, didn't have to die. They were perfectly fine if he would have just trained them to come. Yes. Or but, not chase a goddamn or lion. not attack a mountain lion. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because the, so many times in this book, these dogs get into mortal peril. Like, he's he saves little Anne from, like, uh, from the river, like, fr- freezing river or whatever. Mm. He was His grandpa just almost about dies. to lose her. His grandpa <laughs> almost dies. I'm, I'm just focusing on the dogs right here. Ah. Um, but the, he, um, there's, like, a couple of coons that almost take them out. Um, this just a long series for their entire short lives of one life-threatening uh, predicament to the next. And when it's a fight that the dogs have picked themselves, specifically old Dan, and it's old Dan's just a big dummy, <laughs> for sure, <laughs> who needs to needs to pick his needed to pick his battles better and suffered for it because you know he's probably feeling himself for 
having won that competition, all big in the britches and stuff, mm-hmm. thinking and take on the world or whatever. But um, he started that fight with the mountain lion. Billy says that the dogs saved his life from the mountain lion, but I don't. He, there's only so much he can say that because. Dan's the one that put his life in danger in the first place. For sure. He just left that mountain lion alone. Um, And that's certainly not like God providing, uh, saving his life with the dogs because the dogs put his life in danger in the first place. Right. So (laughs) it was a, it's a bad way to go. Right. Yeah. (laughs) For the dogs. But I didn't feel anything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because I'm dead inside. Right. And because I felt like it was the ending that was coming to uh, that dog in particular for a long time. Right. <laughs> and for some reason, his sister, I guess, uh, they pro- they probably came from the same litter, same, uh, yeah. same mother or something. Uh, but she was so attached to him her entire life that she couldn't go on living without him. She got the Padme disease. That was- that's the, the sad disease? part. The Padme. <laughs> oh, the, the Padme, Padme disease. disease. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Died of a broken heart. Yep. Yeah. That part yeah. is sad, I think. But because yeah. she didn't deserve anything. It's more It's more depressing yeah. than sad. It's just. Mm-hmm. Right. She, she still had a family that would have loved her and taken care of her. But, you know, she just loved that idiot so much. <laughs> I truly love. love an idiot so much. All. <laughs> I don't know. What, I, you probably don't know what that's like. Not at all. There is so much that Josh gives to 12-year-olds, like 12 and 13-year-olds. He's like, like, no, listen, listen, listen. He's like, like, these kids should be acting like 30-year-old adults. Why did this 12-year-old that was raising these dogs by himself, mind you, because his parents weren't really involved, he was training them uh, like off his mind, like, this is how you train a coon hound. And you're surprised that he didn't have full control over them? I mean, you can't be mad at this poor kid who haphazardly (laughs) trained these dogs that he worked for and loved and then chased off into the woods, not realizing that these idiots were chasing a mountain lion. And they died. And that's sad. It's not. You can't be mad at a 12-year-old for that, Josh. He's not. Oh, yeah, I can. Oh, man. I can't. (laughs) Also, also. If I came home with two dogs that my parents didn't know I had and we were dirt poor to begin with, they wouldn't let me fucking keep them. I know that for damn sure. <laughs> but he made up for it by bringing them gifts. Yeah. Oh, this, yes. Of course. And he, made, and he made money with the coon skins. He, see, he got yeah. to stop doing chores because he was making so much money with the coon skins. They earned up enough money with those coon skins that they were able to move out of, uh, into town. Yeah, she just, his mom straight up stole his money. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so well, that's, that's what you do with Thank God. And said, thank God for this money. Thank God I can thank steal God this from my child. Those dogs. <laughs> Actually, I, I, want, I, I believe he said he didn't want any of the money that the, the coons brought in. He just enjoyed yeah. having the dog so much and yep. going hunting so much. So it was a win-win. Yeah. Who, who, what 12-year-old's smart now, huh? <laughs> I'm just saying, Josh, how many coons did you hunt down with your coon hound? When you I didn't have a coon hound. I oh. had Pudgy. Oh. He was not a coon hound. <laughs> what, other, what other amazing... <laughs> he was like... What but- other amazing feats did you accomplish at 10, 12 years old? The hmm. determination of this kid, I'm just saying, it's not fair to be mad at him, is all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> how much money how much money did your dogs bring in? Yeah. Oh, Pudgy? He, no, he was he was just a good, you know, pup. <laughs> <laughs> but Janelle, your level of crying? Um, 
Well, clearly my Barb's your aunt tells you that I knew the ending of the book, even though I had the dog's deaths backwards. <laughs> so I knew to expect it. So this time I didn't cry. Like I was still sad about it. Um, but I didn't cry because I knew it was coming. I knew they were going to die. I knew it was going to be painful for one of them. And I knew the other one sunk into a deep doggy depression and died soon thereafter. So no tears from me. Yeah. What about the first time? That was a long time ago. Do you remember how sad you were? So the first time I was actually introduced to this, it was through the movie um, during like one of the family movie nights that we used to have um, growing up. And I do remember crying over that. Hmm. I think I probably cried when we read the book in fifth grade, but that was also at the age where I really didn't cry in front of anyone. And so I probably tried not to cry in class. <laughs> do you remember which version of the film you watched? No, not off the top of my head. Because the most recent one was made in 2003. Um, that one featured Dave Matthews as the father. Oh my goodness. Do you think I'm going to remember, who, <laughs> like, be able to remember what the father looked like? Like, like the guy from Dave Matthews Band. <laughs> 2003 would be right for me to be in fifth grade, though, because I would have turned 10. Okay, so it was recently... Uh... So it could have possibly been that one. Okay. I'd, I would have to watch it to know for sure. I mean, it's got Dave Matthews in it. Can't lose. We can't lose. Yeah. Also, Ned Beatty, who we, who we also know as <laughs> the pilot from, from the Hatchet movies. He fucking dies. <laughs> oh, my God. Again? Poor guy. He's <laughs> in all these movies that we watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. He's farting again. He's going to die. Yeah, that dude just plays the sheriff. Oh, so the, the marshal. Uh, whatever that uh, that town the was soda. called. Oh, the marshal that saved him? Yeah. That's the another marshal. one. Yeah. That's another one. I mean, I know it's the 1920s, but my God, this 12-year-old kid comes up and he's like, oh, I'm just heading out with my dogs. I gotta, well, you're gonna, you ain't gonna make it home in that time, are you? Nah, I imagine I'll camp out somewhere in the woods. <laughs> Where the yeah, dangerous kid by myself with two puppies in the woods yep. overnight. Yeah, NBD. And the marshal is <laughs> a like, simpler time. Yep, that's a good idea. I like how like his very first interaction with the with the marshal or the sheriff, whatever. He just he saw his gun and he thought that he was just gonna immediately just pull it and shoot him to death. It's, it's possible. <laughs> like he's, he's got some A cab instincts. <laughs> he does. <laughs> like even back then, they knew A cab. Yep. Oh my goodness. But then he turns out to be a decent guy who bought him a soda. Yep. Who uh strawberry soda. Sounds a good. A strawberry yeah. soda tickled his nose. But like the, all those kids who were bullying him for having puppies in a sack, I guess. Yeah, kids are dumb. Like everybody in town. It was yeah, even like the two older ladies who were like, Well, I never Yeah, yeah, like, oh my god. Like what the hell? You never seen a kid and a couple dogs before? Because he was the different thing. <laughs> He was the easy target for them. Wasn't he barefoot so. too? He was yes, barefoot too. He was too, barefoot. Yeah. He probably had holes in his overalls. They made fun of him, called him hillbilly. He's a hillbilly, yep. Which he was, so you know. Well, technically, yeah. Southern pride. He, he's from the hills and his name is Billy. He's <laughs> from the hills and his name is Billy. He's like, how'd you know my name? <laughs> Did God tell you that? Oh. We're good oh, friends. <laughs> We're good friends. We're I good talk friends. to him every night. <laughs> he helped me chop down a tree one time. <laughs> God helped me chop down a tree. <laughs> All right. We've uh, 
covered the book pretty well. Yeah. Overall, <laughs> do we want to rate it? I don't know. Do we like have a, a rating system? Recommend we, it. We don't we really just, have a We just rating say system. whether or not just we recommend it. Recommend it. Let's, all recommend use our, it. let's all use our own personal whatever we want it to be rating system. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, g- I give it a green out of seven. <laughs> okay. Okay. I give it three used sponges. <laughs> <laughs> out of five out of five out of five out of five okay i'm gonna recommend the book because i did still enjoy it <laughs> what's your rating and what's your personal rating? i will i'm going to steal the rating of one of my favorite podcasts to listen to and say it is four spoons so it is part of the plat of the golden plate club <laughs> what a josh okay. thing to do wow yep, all the way totally. to the golden plate club Hey, Portillo's is in there too. So Portillo's <laughs> is on the Golden Plate Club. Totally is. <laughs> it's, it should be. Should be platinum, but God the guest was an ass. You know what we ought to do? We ought to do one of these days here soon. Is we ought to go down and take the kids like Portillo's. I don't know if Xander's ever had it. But we should take a trip down there. I have never had Portillo's. Yeah, we should all take a trip down there. Do they have chicken fingers? Because Xander would only really want the chicken. Fingers. I'm sure they have chicken something. Yeah, we'll, actually, we'll go just go next door to BJ's because they have awesome chicken. <laughs> they have a root beer okay. glazed chicken. Oh, so root good. beer glazed chicken. Oh, dude, Santa it's go so good. It is Maybe. Maybe. on point. Mm. Although it is something new. So, anyways, yeah. we're not here to talk about our kids and and food, or whatever. No, um, but he mentioned Portillo's, and I thought it needed to be said. <laughs> Do I get yeah. to rate it too? Yes, Jim. Yeah, yeah. What's your what's, personal rating? What's your What's your so, personal rating? I will recommend this, and I will give it four and a half coonskins out of six. <laughs> Four and a half coonskins out of six. Relevant. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Tacked to the side of the smokehouse facing the road so that everyone can see just how good your dogs are at killing. Yes. Is there a word up in that spider web? How much God hates coons. (laughs) Which really sounds like a racist thing to say. (laughs) Only when you say... Only when you... Finish it uh, with it that. Out. Yeah, yeah. Yes. When you finish it with that, <laughs> only yes. if you notice it. No, no, if you no, guys no. Ever no. Start when you podcast money with yeah. <laughs> if you guys ever start making money with this podcast, this episode will be demonetized just for that. Oh. Just for that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so way to make it awkward, a, Andy. Way to make it yeah, awkward. Yeah. yeah, that's all I can. That's all I can stand to talk about <laughs> this book. Um, not that I hated it or anything. It's just you know, it, it, for for anyone who wants a coming of age boy and his and his faithful dog story, it's a pretty good one, I'd say. But yeah, it's not bad. Took thirteen chapters to go through like four years, but then the remaining twelve chapters were about two and a half days. Yeah. Decent slice of life in uh early twentieth century America, middle America. Ozarks. Whatever. Ozarks. The Ozarks, yeah. If you like that kind of Ozark stuff. It's a good one. It's a good one. Yep, not a bad boy. Can't help but reading in a southern accent and an Ozarky <laughs> accent. Anyways, next time on Reliterated, uh, we are going back to Goosebumps in a book uh, requested by our friend Mark, uh, who may or may not join us. We have yet to determine for sure. Um, but with or without him, we're doing The Scarecrow Walks at Midnight. Revisiting our old buddy um, Redfern Longitude Stein. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so come back and get your goosebumps on with us at Reliterated. Until then, give a shit, read some lit. 
Bob's your uncle. That's reliterated. Thanks, everybody. And thank you, Janelle, for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This has been Reliterated, a production of the Chocolate Milk Friends and part of the 989 Podcast Network. If you enjoy our show, please consider giving us support by subscribing, recommending us to your book-reading, podcast-listening, 90s nostalgic friends, and most importantly, rating and reviewing us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible Podcasts, and Spotify. Did I mention we really want some Spotify ratings right now? Your ratings and reviews go a long way towards getting us in the ears of new listeners. You're also invited to join the growing Reliterated community on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. And if you really want to get nuts, we have a Discord too. So bing us and join us in this nonsense. If you have a book suggestion for a future episode or have questions for us, send us an email at reliterated at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I don't remember my sign-off. Have a good Your sign-off is Bob's, Bob's, your, Bob's your, uncle. your uncle. That's Bob's your reliterated. Uncle, Bob's your uncle. That's reliterated. I couldn't remember if we decided that was good or not. <laughs> yes, I, I like think it. it's good. Okay. Better yeah. than my thanks, everybody, which is what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hit that music. <laughs>